no matter where we go, there's so many needs, and um, we're, uh, we want to be sensitive and led by the Holy Spirit. Now, how did Jesus know who to heal when he healed uh, at the pool of Bethesda uh, and when the waters turned? You ever thought about that? Why did he, which, how did he know which one to choose? There were so many, and it was a man that couldn't get into the pool. That's not our lesson today, but I just, I just think it, it brings a lesson that it's, the Lord uh, has a daily plan for us, a yearly plan, and maybe years out. That he has assignments for us to do, that he has things for people for us to meet and to touch base with. We've been going through the book of John. We're actually getting close to the end, but... What I'm going to do, I think I'm going to try to get through uh, chapter 18 for the most part and come up to the, uh, the crucifixion story. And then we're going to put it on pause and we're going to go through the Thanksgiving and Christmas season. And uh, we'll probably finish up John at the in the spring when we get back to Easter. Okay, is that okay? So we'll kind of put that on hold. But let's, let's finish out chapter 18. This has to do with uh, his arrest. The Lord is now... Uh, has been praying for his disciples in chapter 17. I liken this prayer as another Lord's prayer. This is really a prayer that he prayed for his disciples purposely that they would be strong after Jesus leaves. And Jesus had been talking about leaving, and he said, if I don't leave, the comforter, the helper won't come. So it is to our benefit. The Lord knew what he was doing. He was just being obedient. He was fulfilling the scriptures, actually, and so the Lord was praying for his disciples, and I'm so glad that he is still praying for his disciples. Amen? The Bible said he ever lives to make intercession for us. He ever lives. And he prays for the saints. And Romans tells us that as well. Let's read a bit for the first part of the chapter if you get the, get the gist of what is happening. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went further or forth with his disciples over the ravine of the Kidron where there was a garden into which he himself entered and his disciples. Now Judas also was betraying him, knew the place, for Jesus had often met there with the disciples. I just want to take a moment. This place, John doesn't... Uh, mentioned it was the Garden of Gethsemane. And this was a familiar spot that the Lord went often to pray himself or with the disciples to, to pray with them, to, to speak with them. But was there, what you will read in Matthew, is that he agonized so much there, uh, his sweat drops became blood. And then he was pouring out his soul before the Father. That he was pouring out. Really, I liken this. That's where Jesus ended it. That's where Jesus really died to himself. Because he could have called on the angels to rescue him. The scripture says that. The scripture alludes to the fact that he, he had all the authority and the power to avoid it. But he's following the scriptures. And over and over again throughout this passage, as you will find, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And let me say this, the scriptures will be fulfilled. All scripture will come to pass. And what is the next big event? It is the catching away of the church. It is when Jesus comes back for his own. And then the world is reeking and ravaging, and, and we, we feel it, we sense the birth pangs that Jesus talked about. When you see these things coming upon the earth, earthquakes, 
things. I, I believe even the weather patterns have something to do with the world. And it's changing. Something's happening. God, the Holy Spirit, is trying to awaken his church. He's trying to stir us where we ought to be, what we might be not caught off guard, what we not, may not be asleep. And so what happened in the garden that Jesus was praying, and Matthew records that when Jesus asked his disciples, there was a couple there, several that were the close to him, will you pray with me one hour? What happened? Remember that story? He come back to them, and they were dozing. They were slumbering. They were struggling to stay awake in the natural and Jesus, go, he go back and he pray and he come back to them. And he, Are you still sleeping? Are you still slumbering? And that verse has always challenged me. The flesh is, is will, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We are to pray that we may not enter into temptation. We are to be in prayer so that we will not be caught in that place where we do not recognize the times that we live in the seasons that we are living in now, that we will not be like a frog that you put in a hot water and warm water or cold water and warm it up slowly, then we don't jump up because we don't, we just feel it. We just kind of, kind of just, kind of, the world kind of just got a hold of us. Remember Lot's wife? Her heart was in the city. And she even left and they were not to look back. But it says her heart was in the city. And she looked back. And she perished. I wonder if this old world, I wonder if this world is becoming less and less important to you and I. I have a sense that it is. I mean the world, I mean the system. I'm not talking about the trees, the lakes. We love our land. We love our, the beauty of the world. We love that what God has created. But there is a system. There is an enemy who has stolen away from the, for the kingdom. That he, the enemy, we know as Satan, that has come to make, uh, to steal, kill, and destroy, to steal away those who are even uh, his own, who, like a Judas, Though he walked with Jesus, he was not really of his own. And this is just baffles my mind. Jesus washed all the disciples' feet, including Judas' feet. What Jesus is saying, I will, I will give my life for whosoever will. I will die for all people, every tribe, tongue, and nation. And the church is mandated by him to go into all the worlds and preach the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we see churches that are doing that. that we see churches that are reaching out. We see churches that are missional. When we see churches that are reaching past themselves and reaching into the community, they're the churches that are alive. They're the churches that are, that are, that are happy. They're the churches that are fulfilling the commandment of our Lord. Jesus knows his time is near in this chapter. Now Judas, it says, was among them. Now Judas was the ringleader. Judas was setting this all up. 
Judas, verse 3, then having received the Roman cohort and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Remember, a Roman cohort could be a host of, of, of men of 300 to 600. And I'm thinking, how many people does it take? They were expecting an outrage. They were expecting a, probably a riot. They were expecting something to happen. But it didn't go the way that they expected. That Jesus knew where he was going. Jesus was in control of his life. Remember this. Jesus gave his life. They didn't just take it from him, but he laid down his life. And so here's the story. They're there. They're in the middle of the night. It's dark. There's lanterns. There's torches. Now Judas comes in verse 5. He, he says, Jesus, they answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am he. And Judas also who was betraying him was standing with them. When therefore he noticed it, he said to them, I am he. They drew back and fell to the ground. It was like... God just swept that place. That the power of, the, of God, the Father, the Holy Spirit came and just, you know, they went to the ground. They didn't know what they were up against. They had no clue that I am, throughout the Old Testament, is a reference to he is the one. He is the only one. He is the true God. He is the God that never changes. He is the God that is concerned about those who are his. Now, Peter, good old Peter, is going to take him on. Remember? Peter, the one who was always bold. Peter, the one who was always the one who would step out. The one who would often be the first one to speak. He didn't ask Jesus what to do. He just reacted. And it was something about, you can say, you know, Peter. It was something about Peter. You, you, you knew that he meant well, but he wasn't always thinking things through. And he drew his sword to take off the head of Malchus. And he, and you see the story? You see it? Malchus is ducking as Peter is swiping across to take off his head. There was drama. It was tense. It was heating up. And Jesus said, wait a minute, don't do that. You don't, there's no need for that. And Jesus answers, just put your sword away, Peter. Remember this. We wrestle not against flesh. Jesus didn't say this, but throughout Scripture, Paul's letter to Ephesians, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There will be days when you will feel the oppressor. There will be days when you will feel the enemy pushing, con condemning, putting things in your heart, perhaps to, to cause you to shrink back, to cause you to fear. Listen, we've got to know our authority in the Lord. We've got to know the real sword is not the physical sword, but it is the word of God. It is the word of God that represents a spiritual sword that we can cut through every condemnation, every word, every word that comes against us. We can take it into captivity through the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. 
God is for you. God is for your people. God is for your family. God is for those who you are praying for. God is for those you are seeking after. And Jesus recognizes this is all to fulfill Scripture. So all this leads up. The whole Roman cohort is ushering Jesus now, bind, bound him. See, I don't think they would have had to bound him. They wouldn't have to had had to bind him, rather. But they didn't want to take chances. And they led them to Annas first, verse 13. He was father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now, Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. And Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so was another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. Peter was standing at the door outside the others. Uh, and so the other disciple, who was known as the high priest, went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brings in Peter. So Peter, the one who said to Jesus, I will, die. I will never deny you. I will die for you. Peter meant well. But there was something still lacking in Peter. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit. For the power of the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out. See, you and I are no match for the enemy. We need the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. That there's something that will rise up within us, the fight in us will rise up. The fight, the fight, the good fight, the fight, the, the face of the adversary in the name of Jesus. Now see here, the simple little slave girl, verse 17, begins to speak to Peter. You are not one else, you are not also one of these disciples. He asked Peter right there, Peter. And he says, I am not. Number one, denial. The slaves in the office were standing there having made a charcoal fire. It was cold and they were uh, warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing, warming himself. The high priest therefore questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answers him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together and I spoke nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Jesus always knew what to say. And Jesus always knew when not to say it. Wow. When he had said this, one of the officials standing by the by by, by gave Jesus a blow. Right across the face. Saying, is that the way you answer the high priest? Listen, he didn't know that he was the high priest. We have earthly priests. We have, we have the priests the Old Testament time were assigned to do the things that were services for God. But Hebrews tells us that we have one high priest who will never die, and he always lives. You see how Jesus kept himself 
He humbled himself. He brought himself down to this world. He walked in the stuff you and I know as this body. He had ups and downs and things and accusations. He had hurts in his inner heart. He had rejection. He had confusion. He had all kinds of things he was struggling against. Yet he kept himself the offering, the perfect one. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might know the righteousness of God in him. He became sin. What does that mean? He took all the sins of the world. He became sin. He became the sacrifice. He become, became the scapegoat, so to speak, as the Old Testament's time would place a goat, and they would confess the sins upon this goat and shoo that goat out into the wilderness to perish. See, Jesus picked the Peter. Jesus picks us. We're not perfect. Jesus picks a Peter, and he sees his potential. See the potential that the truth and God the Holy Spirit's going to connect with Peter. Because by the time that Peter denied him again, it finally struck and dawned on Peter. And he wept. He, he felt so bad. He felt short. He probably felt like, what's the use of living? I have denied my Lord, the one who said the truth. And listen, it's a different Peter now. After the day of Pentecost, if you read the story of the book of Acts chapter 2, after they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, they received power. They received boldness. They received this um, supernatural indwelling of the Holy Spirit in such a manner that we see Peter taking his stand after the day of Pentecost and declaring and quoting the book portion of the book of Joel. In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit. You can read that for yourself in the book of Acts. And so what we need is people that will take their stand today. Just stand firm. What does it say about spiritual battle? Stand firm. Stand. Put on the whole armor of God. In other words, the world system can't get through to you because you have the whole armor of God on you. You see the truth. You're able to extinguish the fiery darks. And he hurls toward us. And so Jesus knew that Peter's day would come around. He just knew that Peter would come around. And Peter would be sorry for his sin. Now, we're getting close. As Jesus is being interviewed on to these, uh, the process, it's a process. He, Jesus comes from a place and he goes through this process. He comes from a place, he's in the garden, he's already, he's already battled it out. He's already died to himself uh, before the Father. He said, if, uh, if it's not possible, then not my will, but your will be done. He surrendered to God. Whatever you want, Lord. You see, that's where he went. And so... He begins to follow through. 
And he goes from the place through the process to his purpose. And his purpose is to give himself a ransom and to step into a place where they would cruelly crucify him and they would place him upon. And prior to this crucifixion was what was known as a scourging process. And many people would not make it to that. And the Lord went through all that for us. And his blood was shed. And much of his blood, he was weakened through that process, no doubt. And through it all, he kept on laying himself down, laying himself down, giving himself a ransom. And I believe as the book of Hebrews describes that who for the joy set before him, despising the shame, despising the shame, he, he looked past. I believe he could see past and see those who would come to him, those who would come to know him, that you would come to know him someday because of his uh, sacrifice that he made for you and I. You see, it wasn't over. It wasn't over. The devil thought, now I've got him. We've nailed him to the cross. He's dead and he's not coming back. That was just the beginning that was the beginning. You see, there's something spiritual that happens that the scripture describes that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. We were not concerned about the things of God and what needed to happen and we needed to be awakened in our inner man. Therefore, the Holy Spirit comes to convict us, not only convict us that we feel bad about it, but we are convinced that we need to change. And he helps us change. God, the Holy Spirit, helps you and I change. Helps us to become what we're created to be. That to become the, the man or the woman that God has created us to be. Our purpose is to live like Jesus. Our purpose is to walk with the Savior. Our purpose is to do as he did. According to the scriptures. I love that part. The scriptures are being fulfilled today. The scriptures are being fulfilled. Though my challenge is, do I know, do I know the scriptures? I want to know the scriptures. And Paul described himself as one who was learned. He was a Pharisee, he was taught, he had all the credentials. But when he met Jesus, when he thought what he was doing for God was in opposition to God, when he was killing Christians for the sake of the law or the religion, it was until Jesus, he had an encounter, he had a face-to-face -face experience with Jesus. And it was he that said this, that I might know him. That I might know him. So our challenge is, do I know him? Do I know his voice? I trust you do. If you don't, you can pray today to know him. A simple prayer, Lord Jesus, I want to know you. Help me to know you. Help me to want you. Help me to allow you to come into my life. 
created me a clean heart. You can have a new beginning today. You can walk out of this place with the help of the Holy Spirit. Will you bow your hearts and we pray this simple prayer, Lord Jesus, in your heart, right where you're at. Say this in your heart, in your mind. Dear Jesus, I want you. Dear Jesus, I need you. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to set me free, forgive me of my sin, and help me to walk with you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me to overflow like a Peter, Lord. Help me to change. Help me to become bold for you. Help me to have a backbone. Help the church, Lord. Help me to be a part of the church that you called us, the body, Lord, that ministers to you and loves one another. A simple prayer. There's a place we song, we sing that song. But there's also a place, and I believe Jesus demonstrated it all when he went to the cross and he surrendered. He surrendered all that he had for us. And so this simple song that we're going to end up our, our message with is to build my life. Will you stand one more time as we sing it together?